Well, <clears throat> I'm sorry. This church, every time I come here, this happens to my voice. I'm telling you the truth. Uh, you know, it's either I'm too carnal or you're too carnal. I don't know which it is. So. I mean, if I was just talking about Danny, then maybe. Um, <clears throat> let me first start with saying that um, I know why Insong um, did not tell Leah and. Um, Johan, I know the name. I'm setting things up, honey. Why um, he did not tell them we'd be here, and that's because they wouldn't have come. So, uh, <laughs> no. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't want to get emotional. I do when I talk like this, but um, the last four years have been pretty incredible, and it's, it's really difficult to leave it now. Uh, that's already been done, but it's just... Um, I just want to encourage you all, okay? Um, I have grown so much from being involved with the people that we've met around the world. I don't know what I've been able to do for them. And, you know, that's going to be between God and them and me at some point. I don't see much that I did for them. I, I know what Dee Dee did for Leah and the, uh, the folks there. But um, these men and women that I meet are incredible and if if you choose to leave yourself out of service with the lord because of some fear you're, you're going to miss such a, a great blessing folks so um you know god may not be calling you to be a full-time minister vocationally and that's fine because we you know can you imagine if everybody here was trying to be a full-time pastor there'd be no one to make a payment so you know, that's, that's a special calling that God has. I will tell you to pray for Dee and I because we are in a flux right now. We've stepped out of a position. We don't know what the Lord's future is for us. Uh, we've always presumed we're going to be in the Philippines until the Lord says otherwise. Excuse me. But whenever there's a major break, and this has been a major break, because the last four years, my wife and I have basically ate, drank, slept, international satellites to the point to be very honest with you we have felt very lonely because we don't have a community uh, we don't have a d group in the philippines and the only d groups that we had were thousands of miles away we don't get much fellowship with them so um we're at a point right now where we're saying lord what do you want from us and what do you want us to do and, and we're open for whatever it would be uh, i'm praying that it will not be a muslim country if I'm, to leave, you know, if I'm to leave the Philippines, I'll be honest with you. And, and I will challenge you. Uh, you know, you guys are not, most of you here are not diehard, long-time Americans, okay? Pray for the American Christian that's so scared of the refugees. Because there's a real balance, folks, that needs to happen. Our government should protect us. But ask, I want to ask you this. Which is easier, for me to go to Syria and try and win Muslims to Christ or to bring a bunch of Muslim Syrians here? who meet a bunch of Christians. And the church needs to think that as, as scary as it may be, are we counting on humans to protect us or God? And if bringing Syrians here will help them come to know Christ, then, uh, then we, need to, you know, we need to make our government do what they should do, I agree. 
But we need to, you know, half the Christian people in America right now sound like rednecks with guns. And we're not supposed to sound like that. So, another thing I'd like you to know, in case you haven't, uh, Dee Dee, would you stand up? I don't want to embarrass you, but please, honey. Wednesday was our 37th anniversary. <clears throat> so, she has suffered for 39 years. Yeah, two years she knew me before that, so. And then the most important part about this message is right there. <clears throat> now, just, just so you know, I did not have them, okay? So I didn't do the work. But, uh, and I wish I had a picture, and I'm going to get a picture of Dee and I with all of our grandkids. But I don't have a picture of Dee with the twins. Christopher's put some up, but I couldn't find them. But they got this one of me. I can't even pronounce the names. How, how do you say it, honey? I lone we is the girl. Finn, Finny, Finn. See? Finn. His nickname's going to be Finn. I don't, you know, these are Gaelic names. I don't know what, you know, my son, I, Dee Dee, did you meet a Scotchman that I don't know about? <laughs> I mean, my, my grandsons are Aiden, Ro, uh, Aiden, Kellen, Rowan, and Baron. You know, I was looking for a Mike, John, Nate, Joe, you know. Hey, Joe, you know. Anyway, just, just wanted you to know, okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, this will probably be the last time I get to speak to you for a while on this coast. So, yeah. You know, um, but, you know, uh, who knows? The Lord may bring me to Los Angeles area to pastor at some point if I don't go back to the Philippines. I have no idea. Uh, you never know what the Lord's going to do. Uh, and please don't, this is what I hate. When a missionary says whether he doesn't know if he's going back or not, suddenly we get all these letters that say, we're so sad to hear you left the Philippines. We haven't left the Philippines. We still have a condo in the Philippines that we're renting. Everything that we own is in the Philippines. We will still have a ticket probably in March because we're on sabbatical home mission, home ministry, I mean. So it's kind of a different, but we're staying here a little bit longer. You can pray for me. I've been doing good for those of you that do follow my situation of being um, a sleep disorder. I'm, I'm up to 6.5 uh, hours sleep a night. But last week I had a fallback. And I was uh, a couple nights I only got three and a half hours sleep. So I don't know what's going on, but it's nothing medical. It's just schedule, I think. So I'm not used to four grand boys from 10 to 2. And I take care of them when I first wake up. I get up at 6.30 and I help them get breakfasts and all that. Dee Dee usually does that. But this time I said, let me do that. You stay in the bedroom and have your quiet time. Then relieve me at 10. And, and see, that's pretty smart, right, guys? You know, I take them from 6.30 to 10 a.m., and then Dee has them for the rest of the day. No, 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 no. <clears throat> yeah, right, you know. Okay. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about today. <coughs> it's Thanksgiving. Probably one of the most Fili uh, important Filipino holidays of the year, right? Yeah, Exactly. I remember a comic routine one time where the guy was uh, pretending to talk to um, Walter, 
um, Sir Walter Raleigh. And uh, he was from England, and he, he said, because uh, Walter Raleigh discovered tobacco, and he sent it back to England. And um, this comedian was talking, and he said, he said, yeah, Walt, Walt we've got your, uh, we got the boatload of turkeys, Walt. And he says, Walt, uh, that's, that's an American holiday. So there's turkeys roaming all over London right now, you know. And, and Americans are funny like that. Really, it is. I mean, I've seen missionaries in the Philippines complain, you know, how come we have to work on Thursday? Well, because in the Philippines, it's Thursday. <laughs> it's not Thanksgiving Day, okay? You know, it's, it's like, do you guys have a Super Bowl party in the Philippines? If you do, you're kind of weird. You know, come on over to the house, man. What are you going to watch? I don't know. There's nothing on. You won't get to see the Super Bowl. You might get to see badminton with the Chinese, but you're not, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So one of my favorite things growing up, we're going to do a little bit of culture here, but then we're going to get into the point. We're going to talk about grace, and that's not Danny's wife, okay? Okay, because uh, Grace is a great woman, but if there's anyone that is close to my wife for suffering of years of marriage, you, no, no. <laughs> you know, I want you to know something, that I don't joke with people that I don't love. That's the truth. That's why I, you can know I love Finn Spurk so much, because I do joke with him. And I joke with Insong and Danny all the time. It's never serious. I deeply respect Danny. I still think he cheats in golf, but that's okay. <clears throat> One of my favorite characters growing up, and see this is the problem, is when you try to mix our holidays with spiritual things, they get very complicated because not everything was always spiritual for us. I mean, uh, did you know right now that one state in America just outlawed Christmas trees? Yeah, because they said they don't want any religious, and I'm going, what? religion, and see, they think it's Christian. And I'm going like, that's how ignorant you people are. You know, and, and I think the most offensive Christmas card I've ever seen was Jesus in the manger with a kneeling Santa and a Christmas tree. And I'm going, because, no, I've got no problem with both of them. You could have Santa and the tree, but remember, it's secular. It's about giving gifts to each other as a family and loving each other. But my most important thing about Christmas is Christ incarnate. Yeah? Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway, one of my favorites was Snoopy, Charlie Brown. And there's one a cartoon that I love. Is Snoopy was throwing a pity party on Thanksgiving Day. He muttered to himself, how come they get all the good food and all I get is this dog food? And then... He gave it a little more thought. And then he thought, but it could be worse. I could have been born a turkey. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah, I heard a, a famous man say this. Thanksgiving is when one species ceases to gobble and another one begins. <laughs> and that's the truth. Let me give you a little history before we pray and everything. The Pilgrims' first recorded religious day of Thanksgiving was held in 1623. Plymouth had been stricken with a severe drought, upon which, okay, by the way, religious. They had already had Thanksgiving prior to this, but it was not religious, okay? Upon, 
being stricken with a severe drought upon which William Bradford, they set apart a solemn day of humiliation to seek the Lord by humble and fervent prayer in this great distress. That same evening, and this is in the history books, it began to rain with such a sweet and gentle showers as gave them cause of rejoicing and blessing God. For which mercy in time convenient, they also set apart a day of thanksgiving. Now I can give you many, many lessons that I've learned about thanksgiving. I won't do that. We're going to talk about lessons learned about grace. But what I want to start with is having you think your own way through. If I were to come to you and say, what lessons have you learned from life? Not that somebody gave you in a book and said, what lessons have you? And let me just give you some of mine. <clears throat> Never believe a doctor when he tells you the shot won't hurt. Right? Right, yeah. Men. Never try and save money if you're just about ready to start dating. Never start a diet right before Thanksgiving. Okay? Ladies, never judge what your husband will be like based on what he was like when you were dating him. Yes, that's true because familiarity changes things. Never believe your parents when they say, that when you have your own children, then you can raise them the way you want to. They will still try and tell you how to do it. <laughs> and then here's my favorite. Never believe the statement that children are so honest. I was a pathological liar. I mean, my dad would walk in, there'd be a chewed up cookie and, did you take a cookie? No. <laughs> what a liar, man. Some guy came and stuffed it in my mouth. No, doesn't happen. So what I want to do is, I want to talk to you about lessons from the life of Paul. And Paul is a tremendous teacher on grace. See why I'm not wearing a mic? That would have blown your ears out. This is so funny. Last night my voice was clear. Interesting. CCFLA. <clears throat> what are the lessons that we can learn? Well, we're going to look at five. And after each lesson, attached to a scripture, and we're just talking about things that we learned from Paul's life, I'm going to give you a statement that I hope you can keep as you go through this week. And one of the reasons that I wanted to preach on this Sunday when I talked to In Song. And you'll see this at my challenge when we get to the very end for this week. Is I'm excited because I'm not talking to a culture of people that this is a traditional holiday. This is not a traditional holiday for you. And I want to challenge you on what your thoughts are. Because if you watch the majority of Americans, it's going to get polluted. You're not going to have the right concept. I know I didn't growing up in a home that did not proclaim Christ. So I want to challenge you on that. But before we look at the points in the scriptures, let's commit the time to the author. Father, thank you again for this time. Lord, I do pray that my voice will not be too irritating. <clears throat> Give me clarity to get to the end of this message. And then when we have lunch today, let people know that I'm not being unfriendly when I don't talk. Just uh, bless us right now. 
This man lived a life, if there's anyone that had a right to complain about how he was treated, about the lot that he was given, um, the amount of suffering that he went through, the amount of lying against his character that he endured from his own brothers in Christ. Oh, God. And yet this man speaks of grace in such powerful ways. And there's so much that we got. There's so much I can learn. I just pray that you will impress that upon all of us, starting with me today. We commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Self-acceptance. Now listen to me carefully. This is not an excuse for bad behavior. It's not an excuse for bad characteristics. Listen to what Paul says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. Now notice the difference. I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. What? Do you know how hard it is to work? I just got an email recently from Jim Welchel thanking me for the foundation I laid in the international movement. <clears throat> and I felt like a hypocrite reading it because I don't think I did anything. It, it takes a lot of work in spiritual thinking to realize, you know, I just showed up. A warm body showed up. The gifts I have are from God. Um, yeah, I mean, there's things that I appreciate and there's effort that I gave. But folks, if workers build a house and the Lord's not in it, what happens according to scripture? Yeah, what does it mean nothing? You mean there's no house? No, what it means is this. Whenever God says his teenagers, listen to me. God never speaks on the temporal realm. It's always eternal. And what he's saying is, when you do something without me, it will only last as long as you do on this earth. Now, you're eternal too. You're going to live forever. But what it's saying is this. If your work is built through your power on this earth, it dies when you die. But if I'm in the work, <clears throat> if I'm part of what is being accomplished, and see, Paul makes this clear. I worked harder than all. What do you mean? Man, I sold myself out for Christ. And then he steps back. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was with me. I'm dealing with a family member that has really hurt me right now. <clears throat> Even my wife doesn't know this. I wrote her back, and she wrote probably one of the most horrendous things I've ever read this morning. And I have been battling for several hours to put it out of my mind because I'm going, you're here to talk about the grace of God. And you know what's so great is... Right before the service began, I started formulating my response to her. And all it is is love. And I'm sorry you feel this way. And, and I could, let, folks, I'm telling you, I could chop this person to shreds. 
because she's got so many problems and I know them all. And my first flesh response was, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. That was this morning about 6, 6 a.m. But see, the fact is, God has every right to say, oh yeah, oh yeah, to Nathan Lee. But he shows me grace upon grace. But I think you're better than that. I'm sorry you feel this way. Do you think God ever says that to you? Because I do. When you say, God, how could you? I don't think he goes, who are you talking to? I don't think that's God's first response. It may come later. God may say, okay, gird yourself and stand up like a man, and we're going to talk business now. But I think his first response is, I, I, I'm hurt that you would think that. I, I feel sorry for you that you're so bitter. Listen to this. One of my favorite men in history, Dwight Moody, said this. I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I can do, by the grace of God, I will do. Why don't you start there? Why don't you start there? Right now, my mind, it's interesting, right now my mind is so geared on ministering to my kids, helping them deal with these six children they have, then getting rest, I was supposed to be resting now, but anybody who thinks at 59 you can handle four boys in the morning and not feel it, I feel it. But it's worth it to me. And then I'm going to head to the East Coast where I'm really praying that God will give my wife and I a place by ourselves instead of living with somebody. But if not, we'll deal with it. But that's when I'm going to really start to get some real spiritual rest. I know it. I'm going to go, okay. Now what's the next step? And see, the temptation is to try and get the step done right now. But I know my commitment was to be in the States till Feb, March. So I'm going, okay, I'm going to take that time. And I'm going to work on spiritually refreshing myself. Why? Listen. My weaknesses can be his strength. See, Paul had a balanced view, folks. Don't ever forget that the same Paul that says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, knows that he is not only the chief of sinners, but he's kept the faith. Do you see that? He's not a braggart, but he's also not a beat-me-up guy. He understands the balance that we're supposed to have. In fact, we're going to talk about that in another point. My weaknesses can be his strength. See, <clears throat> let me use Johan because he put these words in his mouth. I've always wondered why Johan was so confident. And now I understand, because he was arrogant. No, this is true. Why is Nathan so hard-headed, sinfully? Because Nathan also is so tenacious, holding on to Christ. If I were to tell you the attacks that I've gone through in 38, 39 years of ministry, I guarantee you, most of you would say, why didn't you quit? I'm tenacious. I'm a pit bull. I'm not letting go of Jesus. He's going to have to knock me off. 
But when that's not God word, it's stubbornness. And if you don't believe me, just ask my wife. If my wife was a man, she would be completely bald, not just a little. I, I'm so hard that I can make anyone lose their hair. Well, here's what happened. Johann, as a worldly guy, was arrogant, very confident. I'm going to do it. And what has the Lord done? He's turned it into spiritual confidence. I've seen it. Yeah, I don't know how we're going to do this, but I know we can do this. Why? Because we're counting on him. Folks, that's how it works. And so what you need to see is that your weakness can be his strength, and that's a grace that you can thank God for this week, okay? Do that, okay? Hold it. Are you running a DVD? No, I mean, here, because I've said okay three times and nobody's answered. Am I talking to a DVD? No. Okay? Okay. Yeah. We need to get some African-American people in our churches, man. I've preached at, I've preached at African-American churches all the time in D.C., and I love it. I'll be up there, they'll go, preach it. I said, I am. You can respond, folks. Okay. Secondly, God's grace translates to us. What do you mean, Nathan? Well, let me show you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you might, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Folks, let me ask you this. Just stop for a second. Just close your eyes or whatever you need to do when you think. Hear this question. When you consider the riches of Christ from the scriptures, what do you think of? Right? Right? It's not the things, right? They don't talk about Jesus Christ BMW. They don't talk about Jesus Christ migrating to a better part of the city so he can have a better life. See, that's the garbage that's sold on TV. What does the scripture talk about? It talks about his character. When it talks about the riches of Jesus Christ, it's not gold and silver. It's unconditional love, unending forgiveness, long-suffering. Now, let me show you what's the great thing about this. My genetics does not determine my character. In fact, I would say this, your new genetics is what determines your character. You were born once and you had those old genes, but when you were born again, you've been given the genetics of Jesus Christ to change your character through the power of the Holy Spirit to become more like him. And that's the riches he wants to give you. He didn't become poor so you could have more money to worry about somebody stealing. Now, he did become poor to let you know that I will supply your needs, including your clothes and your food and all that. But those are minor issues. I mean, can you imagine, can, can you imagine, okay, being poor and being married to Esther, who looks like whatever the most beautiful woman in the world is, 
And she just, she's the Proverbs 31 person. Or being filthy rich. I mean, having every, living up on one of the houses on Pacific Highway 1. And being married to the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. You got a lovely home. Yeah, but I never like to go there. Why? Because she's there. See, folks, we got to get our, our minds straightened on what poverty and riches are. Because God's view is it's quality of life, quality of character, not things. You know, I came to California with nothing, and we just prayed. And if you saw, I drove up today in a Ford F-150, black chrome wheels. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what tattoo I want to get so I can have it. We had a Christian brother. We had a Christian brother, not, not related to CCF or anything. Hey, I want you to use my truck while you're in country. So I'm driving this thing all over the place. Yeah, the gas is high, but it's a lot cheaper than renting a vehicle. Self-forgiveness. You know why a lot of believers have esteem problems? There's two reasons. Number one, some of them have been convinced you build self-esteem, which is poison. Self-esteem is poison. I don't have time. A whole message on it. It's poison. Real esteem is what's good. But the other problem is there are believers that can't get past their past. Now, we're not trying to rationalize sin. If you've had an abortion, you don't say, oh, I'm forgiven, so it was okay. It wasn't okay. If you were heavy into drugs, it wasn't okay. If you cheated on your spouse, it wasn't okay. But it's all forgivable. All of it. And God would like to start with a clean slate. Well, that seems so unfair. Yes! Get used to grace. Fair is you get what you deserve, and if that were the case, this building would be empty, starting with me today, because I would be dead. The only person that ever deserved to live was Jesus Christ. And he died. It's called grace. So you got to deal with it, and that means deal with the pain. But then you got to move on. I've been talking to my wife lately. We're both, and we're struggling with this. We keep bringing up things in the past, not with each other, this with other things. And I'm going, That's, we got to just stop this, man. What is done is done. And if you keep going back, and don't, I don't want to hear about regret from people. Because here's the thing. If you tell me you regret and it hasn't stopped you, it isn't weighing you down, then okay, I understand that. I regret. I look at scars on my body. I remember what I did, but I don't feel the pain. But I know people, they're so full of regret, they can't move. Folks, that's not spiritually healthy. Look at what Paul says. I mean, this guy knew what he was. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me in his service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. This guy murdered Christians. This guy would be a jihadist. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. What? 
You mean God excused it because you were ignorant? No. What he meant was ignorantly is I wasn't a child of God. Now there's a double-edged sword there. You need to get this. If you're not a child of God, God takes a whole lot more sin. He'll tolerate it and still give you grace to salvation. If you're a child of God and you know better, daddy may bring down the paddle. And it's not to hurt you, it's to stop you from destroying yourself. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. Look at this. Nothing I am is a surprise to God. Listen, this is a great quote. There's one thing for which you can be thankful. Only you and God have all the facts about yourself. <laughs> that's right. And most everything out there that's private is nobody else's business but yours and God's. Well, Nate, Aren't there Christians that are hypocrites? So what's the difference between a hypocrite and a person that's moved on? I'll show you. Okay? He committed adultery. I would never do that. No, but you'd get deep into pornography and lust your brains out. Oh, well, <laughs> see, here's the difference, folks. When you act like you're something more than someone else, that's hypocritical because you're not. You're not. But when you can look at somebody and say, yeah, you know, I did blow that. But you know what? God's forgiven me. It's done. And there's only, you know, sometimes I want to talk to people that I know that are attacking me. And I want to say, you know, it's interesting the only person I owe explanation to has forgiven me and says it's done. And the only two people I know who keep trying to remind me are you and Satan. Maybe you ought to think about that. Seriously. Did you know that's what the Holy Spirit does to me now? Because I do. I'll bring up things in the past against my wife. Because sometimes I'm a carnal jerk. And I've really started to put in my, who are you keeping company with right now? When you go, oh yeah, you do that too. Oh, that's so spiritual. That's so uplifting, Nathan. No, it's not. Nothing I am is a surprise to my God. That rationalizes nothing. That doesn't mean it's okay with him, folks. What it means is what have you done to get it straight? And if you've done it, it's done. Now, parents, you better communicate this to your kids. Because if they see a different treatment, that's going to be their view of God. And it's going to be your fault. Because you can preach, well, we're supposed to forgive and forget. But then you keep bringing up their failure over and over and over. And they've asked forgiveness. I'm not talking about, well, they did the same thing again. Fine. Then deal with that one. Don't go, but remember, July 25th at 3.05, you did it. You know, 
I had a friend who was a marriage counselor, pastor, he was a marriage counseling pastor. A woman came in. She said, he said, what can I do? She says, I want you to fix my marriage. And she said, here. And she put down a book this thick. That's seven years of my husband's wrongdoings. Yeah, I mean, what a great book. <laughs> I mean, you know what I would do? I'd say, lady, I got the title for your book. What? I'm the jerk that married this guy. Yeah, see, you're blaming him. Look in the mirror, honey. But you know what my friend did? He said, you really want me to fix your marriage? She said, yes. He says, okay, here's the first thing we're going to do. He took the book and he stuck it in the garbage can. She walked out. Because she wasn't really interested in fixing anything. She wanted somebody to slice up her husband for her. That's right. Eternal in its effect. I was reading, and this is, I, I don't know where I even got this. I don't, I'm not a great fan of Russian proverbs. But this, this proverb says this. When going to war, pray once. When going to sea, pray twice. When getting married, pray three times. <laughs> but I think that's a good proverb. Why? Because I'd rather go to war than have a bad marriage. Yeah, because at least the bullet in the real war ends everything. A bad marriage is purgatory, you know? You just suffer and suffer and suffer until the Lord comes. That's right. That's what a bad marriage is. Two little teardrops were floating down the river of life. One teardrop said to the other, who are you? I'm a tender teardrop from a girl who loved a man and lost him. Who are you? Well, I'm the teardrop from the girl who got him. No, that's a good point. God's grace is eternal in effect, just as much as marriage is. Believe me, marriage is eternal in its effect. It will affect your eternity. My wife and I both know a guy, I won't mention his by name, you wouldn't know him, but he had such a heart for ministry, and his wife drew a line that she would never go to Bible college, ever. And we watched him for we were, we were in that area of the country, do you what? About 15 years total. Just the joylessness in his life was just, it was destitute. Because he so much wanted to serve Christ, but his wife had said, I'm not doing it. And he knew he couldn't do it without her because he married her. I mean, that's kind of a question he should have asked her before. Are you really willing to do whatever God wants? Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us, listen, eternal comfort and a wonderful hope. Comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and you say. How long is this comfort? Okay, how long? Okay. So what I mean is, because the next phrase may confuse you. Grace is eternal in its effect. What do you mean? Everything you do on this side of glory can follow you into eternity. Everything. 
how you play music. When you show up half out of it because you got only two hours sleep because you couldn't get off the video box and you're not practice up and you bang out wrong notes, I'm going to tell you something. That hurts the Lord. He'd rather you practice as hard as you can and still bang out the wrong notes. It's not the notes that are the issue. It's the attitude of the heart, exactly. So whatever you do, unless it's sin, okay, you can't sell cocaine to the best you get ability for the glory of God, okay? I made more than anybody. No, it doesn't work that way. But if you're setting up a business and you treat your customers with the most integrity and you're trying to make an honest profit, you can't give it away for free. But you're not doing it to, to gouge anybody and to cream anybody. I mean, sometimes I wonder these Christians who, who make their money on the hopes that crops will fail. How do you do that? Oh, please, Lord, let, let 100,000 people starve. It'll make my IRA that much stronger. That's a tragic way of thinking. So yeah, I think there are certain things in life that you'd have to ask yourself, you know, should I be a part of this? Could you manage a movie theater to the glory of God? Yes, could you manage a pornographic theater? No. See, there's certain things. But other than that, folks, you need to get this. Anything and everything from being a husband, a parent, a student, a youth group, all of it. And so here's what I want to tell you. Look at this. I can never remove myself from his grace. Why? It's eternal. It's eternal. Now let's remember, there are scriptures that warn us if we abuse the grace, there's accountability. So grace cuts both ways. But let's look at the fifth one, the last one. It's eternal in its concept. Okay, what do you mean, Nate? And that's a fair question. Even though you didn't ask it, I did. But what do you mean? You're saying eternal in its effect, okay. But what do you mean eternal in its concept? Do you know that most individual Christians I meet, I'm gonna put these back on, but I just need it off for a second. Do you know that most of the ones I meet in counseling, their biggest problem is not here, it's not another organ in their body, which they think it is. You know where it is? It's how they think. It's how you think. When Robin Williams killed himself, his mind had decided there was no, 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 no hope, period. None. When a Christian quits, they do not stop the effectual grace of God that I said is eternal. Its effect is eternal. But what they show is they do not have the concept. Now, what is that concept? Look at this. God, look, let's say, Paul is talking to people that are still in their bodies alive. And God raised us up with Christ. What? I haven't been raised up. If this is my glorified body, I want to talk to the Lord about this. 
I want less skin and more hair. Right? Yeah. But see, Paul sees that God talks how he sees it will be conceptually. Not just effectually, but the concept of it. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might, know, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. God has already got us to, to think, listen, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how many terrorist attacks, no matter how many times you get on a plane and you're going, oh, please don't let there be a bomb on this one. No matter what it will be, losing of a job, not getting of a job, whatever it will be, if you don't forget that in eternity, God is going to spend the whole time showing you his riches of grace. How in the world can you get so down that you quit life or the Lord? You can be down. You can feel depressed. But that's just a journey in the wilderness if, you, if you're smart, if you're wise. Because you realize what? Oh man, I feel lousy right now. But I know that someday I will be seeing the riches of God which are incomparable to anything down here. Now let me close with a warning. There is a danger concerning the grace of God. Wrong attitude towards sin. Now I want to read this to you because I just think it's so funny. True story. There was a waitress having a very bad day where she was working. All the customers were grouchy. The cooks had botched several orders, of course, and that people took it out on her. The tips had been nil, very small. But then a really nice man came in, and he sat down at one of her tables. He was very polite. He ordered a meal with a baked potato. She brought out his order, and he went out of his way to thank her because he could see that she was having a bad day. He began to butter the baked potato, but then found that it had spoiled. So he called the waitress very politely over, said, excuse me, miss, I really don't like to complain, but this potato is bad. She picked it up and held it in her hand and spanked it twice and said, bad potato, bad potato. <laughs> and then she put it back down on his plate and she walked away and turned around quickly. She said, if that potato gives you any more trouble, you just let me know. <laughs> now, folks, I chose that story because most of us sin because we're having a tough time and we think that justifies our actions. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. Now this is interesting because this is not from Paul. This is from the half-brother of Jesus Christ. This man grew up in the house of Jesus Christ. He grew up eating, drinking, sleeping with him. He didn't believe in him. He mocked him until after the resurrection. 
And he's writing the church. And notice what he says. Because he's now experienced the grace. You lived with this person and you didn't believe in him. And yet God still didn't judge you. He gave you time to come to salvation. It's called grace. This was Jude. There are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality. You know what we do? You know what Nathan Lee does? I sin against God by the way I treat his grace sometimes. Can I give you the two reasons real quick and then I want to close with a challenge. Number one, a lot of us act like it's no big deal. Why? I'm already forgiven. God will forgive me again. Let me tell you something. If you say, Nathan, I'm still going to sin, but I know that God will give me. I'm going to say this. True. I'm not going to argue that. You have the blood of Christ on you. But that doesn't mean your sin is excused. And you better watch out. See, God says very clearly, there are times I will not just show mercy. I will also show chastisement. But here's the second one, and it's more subtle, and it's dangerous. My sin is not as bad as fill in the blank. You're self-righteous. You're self-righteous, and you're spitting at God's grace. I've seen very disciplined people come to know Christ. And their personal disciplined life makes me feel sick about mine. They're just, they're awesome. But some of the ones I've gotten to know are so arrogant and so judgmental in spirit because they don't have the problems that these other people have. That's tragic. That that's tra you know, I find it's harder to reach a righteous person than an unrighteous person. That's why I think the salvation of Paul was so phenomenal. He was a Pharisee. Okay, let's wrap it up. I've kept you long enough. This is not your tradition. And I'm excited about that. When you think about Thanksgiving this week, what will your main thoughts be? Turkey. I'm out of school. I'm off work. Football, shopping, Black Friday. You know why they call it Black Friday? Can I show you? I want to show you this. They call it Black Friday for this reason, okay? You come home and you say, what do you see in my pocket? <laughs> Nothing. It's black because all the money's gone. <laughs> Think about that this week. How about this one? When you think about God's grace, what does that look like? Are you talking salvation and then stop? Notice I didn't say salvation only. My only. But you don't stop with the beginning of a relationship. Can you imagine if you married your spouse and you said, I do, and then 10 seconds later for the rest of your life, you, I don't? Not much of a marriage. Not much of a relationship. Here's the third one. 
What does growing in grace look like? Well, these are just a few. There's a whole lot on scriptures. But these are just a few that talk about the grace of God and what it does. You can either take a picture or know that your pastor is going to have them. Don't worry, because I'm going to give them this PowerPoint. But I couldn't put all I wanted to put in. There were just too many. But there's just a few. Look them up and see what it says, that the grace of God and the grace of God and the grace. And what growing in grace means is that you start to understand how to apply all of what grace. In fact, there's one that says, lest your grace, his grace be in vain. What? So much your life. Grace can actually be the accusation against you. Why? I gave you all this grace and you flushed it down the toilet. Why'd you do that? Father, thank you. As irritating as my voice is to me, thank you that you allowed me to finish today. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you for how this church has always been open for D&I to stop by and visit and share. Thank you for my dear brother and sister, the Monsoons. What a great surprise to see them here. Just bless their trip while they're in the States and do take them back down under and use them. Thank you for every person here today. And Lord, I especially pray for those that did not grow up with the tradition of thanksgiving. In some ways, they can even thank you for that because some of the traditions we have have nothing to do with you and they can make us distracted. Again, we ask your blessing upon this day. Spirit of God, we pray that you would speak to each one of us about your grace. I pray that as I step off the podium and whoever's gonna close us, closes us, that we would just give you a few seconds to search our heart and speak to us. Spirit of God, search us just now.